Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. My voice is kind of given out at times. It's, it's pretty funny. I sound like a 13-year-old boy at times because it'll crack because we had a football game yesterday. I coached two of my boys' football teams. It was our first game, and I was yelling and screaming. And So if my voice cracks, that should be mildly amusing for you guys. You can laugh. It's okay. Hey, are you guys watching the Olympics at all? Did anybody like the Olympics? My favorite commercial uh, on the Olympics this year, those, those Nike commercials were pretty cool, I thought. And uh, my favorite one was, well, I have it here to show you because it ties in. I'm going to tie it in with the morning message and the passage this morning. So if we could project that video. Yeah, the, the sister there is pretty awesome. Uh, unlimited youth. I thought that was really cool um, because, you know, I like, I like seeing people stay active, try to stay as strong as possible, as long as possible. But unlimited youth, I'm not sure that's really biblical um, because, as we're going to see today, we all begin to go downhill after a while. But I think it's awesome. I think God wants to take us to take care of our bodies, to try to stay in good health. Uh, for as long as we can, and I like that about the sister there. Um, I uh, enjoy physical activity. I know a lot of you guys do as well. I, I really like all kinds of activity, but my favorite kind of exercise is weightlifting, and um, my philosophy in that, and really a lot of other things in life, is, and I have a t-shirt that says this that many of you have seen and asked me, what does this mean? But my t-shirt says, beat yesterday. And so when I'm exercising or when I'm weightlifting, I always like to, my goal is to beat whatever I did the last time. So if I did so many pounds for eight reps last time, I want to do nine reps this time. If I ran three miles yesterday, I want to run 3.2 today. I want to keep trying to improve, and that helps us to stay strong longer. But I don't like to admit it, but I know that the time is going to come to an end when I can finally, when I can beat yesterday. There's going to come a time when I can't. I don't like to admit that. Eventually, I'll have to submit to that philosophy and just try to keep up with yesterday and then maybe do a little less than yesterday. But I'm not tapping out. I think that's a good philosophy to have. Now, unless Jesus comes back soon, we're all going to have to succumb to aging and just not doing as much as we've been able to do. 
But I think you'll be encouraged by this message today because this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians that we're going to be talking about is going to tell us about the body that we're going to have for the rest of eternity. And it's not going to be the same as this body that we have now. It's never, ever going to deteriorate. So I think you're going to be encouraged as we learn about our glorified bodies today. The title of this message is The Body You've Always Wanted. Let's pray and then we'll get into it. Father, thank you so much for your word that gives us hope. Thank you for Jesus Christ who is our ultimate hope and uh, that he came to make a way for us to rescue us from our sins so that we can spend eternity with you. And Father, we pray that this message would be a real encouragement to all of us today. Not only those who are older, but even those in, in the prime of life. We just pray that our hope would be in what's to come. And uh, that is Jesus Christ in his return when he makes all things new. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Uh, We're going to start at verse 35, and we're going to see in this passage, it's not going to answer all of our questions about what our bodies are going to be like when Jesus comes back. There are still a lot of unanswered questions, but it is going to tell us a lot about it, and I think it'll be pretty encouraging. So let's dive in at verse 35. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. It starts by saying, Someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Now, these seem like good, honest questions, don't they? I mean, how, how are the dead going to be raised? What kind of body are they going to have? But look how Paul answers. I find this a little bit amusing. Paul says, you foolish person. Like, why, why does Paul answer these questions by saying, you foolish person? And I was thinking, I, I don't know if I would let Paul teach over in the children's ministry if, if he wanted to do that in our church based on this because... I can just see it playing out like, teacher, I have a question. Shut up, foolish child. (laughs) Why is he doing this? These seem like good questions. But the problem with, with this wasn't Paul. Paul had the discernment to know that the Corinthians, at least some of them in the church, they weren't really looking for an answer. They were more so looking for an argument. And we saw that throughout this book. We saw in different places where the Corinthians, they were argumentative, they weren't understanding, they were putting Paul down. And so it, it probably wasn't like, oh, how, how are the dead raised? Like they really wanted to know. It was probably more like, Psh, come on, Paul, how are the dead raised? I mean, come on, Paul. Like we have seen Christians torn to pieces by lions and eaten. Like they're, they're eaten, they're passed through the digestive system of a lion. How are the dead going to be raised out of that, out of lion doo-doo, you know, or bodies that have been in the ground for centuries, and they deteriorate? And I think that's, that's how they were thinking about this when they asked this question with that skeptical attitude, like, come on, Paul, how are the dead raised? And he's like, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. That's not a problem. And remember, these aren't atheists, like these aren't um, atheist philosophers, these are Christians. These are people in the church at Corinth. So if, if it were an atheist, Paul probably wouldn't answer that way. But these are Christians. And Paul's thinking, you guys, did you miss Sunday school class? Like, did you never read the first verse of the scriptures, which says in the beginning, God created? 
And so if, if they believe that, if God created something out of nothing in the beginning, well then, why is it even a problem for God to raise the dead? I mean, he can, he can do whatever he wants. And people are, what is it? I can't remember. Is it molecules or atoms that everything's made up of? Atoms? Yeah, atoms. So if God created all the atoms and he put them together and formed things, if they deteriorate, if a shark eats somebody and the remains go out in the ocean, like all over the world, a thousand years later, he can put them all back together, right? I mean, atoms, atoms make up everything. And by the way, that's why you can never trust an atom, because they make up everything. So don't trust an atom. I had to get one in. So Paul is, um, he's telling them, hey, you need to think, Christians, because this isn't a problem for God. So the question is how? The answer is God. How? God. That's what God does. He does miracles. And so it's not an issue. So... Paul does exercise patience with them, though. He, uh, he says, or he goes on a little more with the how. and he, So maybe I would let him teach because he's exercising patience. He says in verse 36, What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. So Paul's saying here, look people, it's like in nature. It's like in nature, you take a seed, the seed dries up, it dies. <clears throat> There's a little voice crack. It dies. And it falls into the ground, and when it does, this dead seed goes in the ground, and a living thing comes out of it. And so he's saying it's not, I mean, it's not that big of a deal, like this happens in nature all the time, with a kernel of wheat, or an acorn, or whatever. And so... When we die and we go into the ground or into an urn or whatever, like this cemetery out here, this cemetery is really kind of like a field. And with what he's saying here, it's kind of like it's planted with seeds. And there will come a day when Jesus will return and he will call the dead. And the dead will come but it says in John, and we're not going to take the time to look at it, it says in John that some will rise to a resurrection of life while others will rise to a resurrection of judgment or condemnation. And so there will come a day when Jesus returns, he calls people out of the grave, and if you were watching this cemetery out here, everybody's body would come back together and they would come out of that grave like seeds growing. But not every dead body who lives will be risen to life. Some will be risen to condemnation. Now, I want to point something out just to clarify here because this can be a little bit confusing. This is talking about our bodies. So this is talking about our physical bodies that die. Now, we're made up of a soul and we're made up of a body. And when we die, what happens is our soul leaves our body. Our body succumbs to weakness of some sort, cancer, car accident, anything that, that our body succumbs to. When that happens, our soul leaves our body. And for believers, if you're thinking, okay, where, where is their soul? Is their soul going to rise out of the grave too? No. Believers, the Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And it's talking about their soul. 
So when a believer dies, their soul is with the Lord, but their body is wherever their body is, in a grave, in an urn, in the ocean, you know, wherever. And so this is talking about the body being risen up. And for unbelievers, their soul is somewhere as well. And their soul is not with the Lord. For those unbelievers who have died, their soul is in hell awaiting final judgment. But at that time, all the bodies that ever lived will be risen and reunited with the souls of the people. And so, I don't know, if you're wondering, like, what is that like? Um, you know, thinking of souls without a body, I, I don't know. I know for believers, and this is a comforting fact, that if your mom or your dad or your spouse or your brother or your loved one or your child passed away and they were a believer, their, bo- their souls are not suffering. They're in perfect bliss, perfect peace right now with the Lord. And he's taking care of them. For those unbelievers I, who are in hell, I, I don't know what that's like either. Um, I, they're suffering, though, the Bible says. How are they suffering without a body? I don't know. I was thinking about this last week when um, we were visiting with a friend of our family who had her leg amputated recently. And she was telling me, she said, Bobby, my foot is so itchy all the time and I can't scratch it because it's not there because she had her leg amputated and it's like phantom itching. And I thought, I wonder if that's what it's like. They don't have a body, they have a soul, but maybe they're still feeling pain and itching and they can't do anything about it. I don't know. It's all speculation. But one day their body will be reunited with them, whether they're going to heaven or whether to be with the Lord or to hell. Now, look at how Paul puts this. We still have a lot of dots to connect. I I know this is kind of confusing, but Paul kind of clears some of it up in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 5, verse 8. So I'm going to read this, and as I do, maybe we can connect some of these dots and figure out how this all works. He says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, that's what we're talking about, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so this is talking about what God has in store for us when we go, when we're as believers when we're raised from the dead, there's, this, there's going to be this eternal weight of glory. It's going to be like beyond anything that you can imagine what our bodies are going to be like and what it's going to be like. And we'll talk more about it. Verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. These things that we're, we're passing away. What we will have will last forever. 2 Corinthians 5.1. For we know... That if the tent that is our earthly home, now he's talking about our bodies here. He's calling it a tent that is our earthly home. We know that if that's destroyed, we have a building from God. Look how he compares it. This is a tent. That's a building that we're getting. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan. And I know a lot of you guys, a lot of us know, we we groan. There's a lot of problems. I mean, I've had, I don't have it nearly as bad as some of you. I've had two knee surgeries. I have a shoulder that's sore all the time. My elbow's starting to be sore all the time. And I, I'm like, oh. 
but I know a lot of you have it far worse. And so if we live long enough, we groan in this tent. It hurts. For this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. We're supposed to long for this day. For if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. So what he's saying here is some of the souls that are there now before this resurrection that happens when Jesus comes back, they're naked. They're, they're just a soul. They don't have a body. They're not clothed in anything yet. He says in verse 4, For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we, we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So this, he's saying, you think you're alive now? Even if you are perfectly fit and in good health, you think you're alive now, you feel good, but that's nothing because we're going to be, that, that mortal body is going to be swallowed up by what is truly life, what is really life compared to this. The quality of life will be so much better. Verse 5, He who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So as I was studying this this week and as I read this passage, it hit me. I was thinking, God really wants us to live in great anticipation of this day. He wants us to look forward to this. This is a great hope, a great gift that he has for us, that he, that he has for us. Each one of you, he has prepared a building, a, a building made without hands, a new body for us. And he wants us to be like, I'm excited about that. I'm really looking forward to that because I know that I'm, I'm hurting now. I get sick, things ache and all that, but it's going to be so awesome. And here's the other thing that hit me. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. We could be at the baptism later today and Jesus could come back and we're all changed and transformed in an instant. You could put your super suit on later today. I mean, we don't know. This could happen. So it could happen a thousand years from now. We don't know, but it, in the broad spectrum of time, a million years from now, it's going to be like, wow, I didn't have to wait very long. So we're to look forward to this. It is like a super suit. I was thinking Iron Man, you know, that's nothing compared to what we're going to have. We'll be able to do far more things than he can do, and we're going to see that a little bit as we move on in this passage. So uh, let's, let's jump to verses, well, not jump, let's go to the next verse, 38 and 39, and we're going to start to see what it's going to be like. Verse 38 and 39. What we're going to see here is that it's definitely going to be different. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same. There is one kind for humans, another kind for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. So this, what he's saying here is this body that we're going to have is going to be so different from this body that we currently have that it's going to be like the difference between an acorn and a 300-year-old massive oak tree. It's going to be a huge, huge difference. The seed is so much different than the outcome of that seed. Now, I remember a couple of, well, I remember a few years ago, I was sitting um, in our woods behind our house. 
underneath this huge oak tree. And I, was, I went out there to pray, and I was praying, and I was just praying that God would help me with some things that seemed to be taken forever, some struggles that seemed to be taken long in my life. And I was like, God, can you just help things to go faster? Help me to just be more sanctified more quickly. And, and it hit me like this oak tree that I'm leaning against is huge. It's like probably 100 or 200 years old. And I thought, you know, it's, things take time. Things take time. And, uh, and, it, and they do. And the more we're rooted in Jesus Christ, like that tree, we continually grow. But it's, it's slower than we want it to be. I know you guys feel that way too. We want, we want to just get to where we're supposed to be spiritually more quickly. But here's the thing about what we're talking about today. It's going to happen in a split second that we're going to be fast-forwarded to perfection because we're going to be like Jesus. And it's going to all happen at once. So wherever we are in our, in our Christian walk, making progress, making progress, you might go back a little bit, you might make progress. At that moment, boom, fast-forward to completion. And one of the verses I, I like that show us this is Philippians 1.6 Philippians 1.6 tells us this. It says, and I am sure of this, Paul says, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion when? At the day of Christ Jesus. That's when he's going to bring it to, boom, fast forward, perfection, completion, when Jesus returns. That's the day of Christ Jesus. And so, like I said, that could happen today. It could happen in 10 seconds. We don't know. But this is our hope. And so... He's saying in, in our verses 38 and 39, we're going to be different. Now, I don't know what our bodies are going to be made out of or what they're going to look like exactly, but they're definitely going to be different. He says in verse 39, we saw that not all flesh is the same. There's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. So he's talking about meat here, right? Like, well, I guess technically meat is... You guys can correct me. I, is meat just like beef and but meat isn't chicken or fish, right? Technically, it is. Some people say no, and some people say yes. What do you say, Mark? <laughs> Mark, chicken is meat. Fish is not meat. So n- we don't know because we're all in disagreement. But like, I would want to know from a nutrition person, like, what is it technically classified? Hey, it's all flesh though, and that's what he's saying. This, this is flesh. Now, I like meat. I like, you know, all different kinds of meat. I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian, but I'm a proud meat eater. I eat as much meat as I can. I've eaten rattlesnake. I've eaten bear meat. I've eaten deer. I, oh, I like jerky. I like it all. You know, it's, it's good for you. And um, so I love, so are veggies, yeah, but, you know, I won't judge you for your veggies if you don't judge me for my meat. But I like meat. And uh, if you go to Haas's and you order, if you order, you know, a big steak, and they bring out fish, you're going to know the difference, right? That's, it's not just all meat. It's, this is different. This is fish. You know, if you order fish and they bring out chicken, you're going to know. You can tell. That's what he's saying here. There's a difference in our meat. And um, I like them all. But... There's differences, and we are going to be different then than what we are now. So I don't, we're not, this stuff that we're made out of now, it's going to be different. It's going to be different then. I don't know how, but that's what we're told. 
So that's his point here. Um, I know it won't bruise. I know I won't have my sore shoulder. Um, I know I won't pull muscles. I know that, uh, you know, it, it's just going to be complete. There's no cancer. No cancer can get in that. Um, no, you, you won't go bald. You won't have pimples. You won't, you know, nothing. We're going to see that because he's going to say that in a little bit. That what we're, ha- we're going to have is not going to be anything dishonorable or bad like we have now in this body. So, no aches, no pains. And the cool thing that we're going to see, which I'm the most excited about, is that this new body will defy the laws of physics. It will not be anything like this body. Right now, we have to stay within the laws of physics. Okay, we can only jump so high, gravity pulls us back down. I can't walk through a wall. But we're going to see that our new one will, will not be within those natural laws. So, let's get to it. How different is it going to be? Verses 40 through 42 tell us this. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Now remember, what he's doing here is he's still comparing, okay? So he's trying to say, you know, there's this and there's this. They're different. Well, how different are they? Well, they're as different as a heavenly body is from an earthly body. You know, we're an earthly body, and the heavenly body is like the sun, right? You know, how different are you and I from the sun? We're a lot different. I mean, just the differences are huge. And so that's what it's going to be like. And he goes on, there is one glory of the sun. So now he's talking just in the heavenly bodies. There's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. If you guys were here when um, um, Mike Hartnett's dad, is it Greg, came from NASA? Or Kevin, I'm sorry, Greg, if you're here, sorry. Kevin came from NASA, uh, he showed us the differences in these heavenly bodies, and they're huge. Like, I don't remember the stats, but how many Earths can you fit in our sun? Anybody remember? How many? A million, 300,000 Earths in our sun? That's a big difference, right? So this is what he's saying here. This is going to be, it's going to be just, you can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Thanks, Rodney. I knew you would know that. Now, I don't know here whether some people think that in 41 and 42 that we looked at, that he's saying that um, when we raise from the dead, like, there will be a lot of big differences in how glorious, like, you are from you and you from you and, like, one will be a star and one will be a sun. And I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's saying that because his point here, and we're going to see it again and again, is everybody's going to be glorious compared to what they are now. So that's the big, that's the main idea. It's you, all of us who are believers, it's going to be just between night and day difference. He gets more specific in verse 42. He says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So I like this part. He's like comparing. It's like this. Or we're like this. It's going to be like this. We're like this. It's going to be like this. So let's look at these four things because they're pretty interesting. First he says, uh, what is sown is perishable and what is raised is imperishable. So perishable, these bodies now that we have, they're perishable, right? That's what we've been talking about. They, they, they begin to deteriorate. They begin to break down. Um, they get old, they expire. 
Now, are any of you the, the kind of weirdos that uh, eat expired stuff? Like, um, like Joe Ryer? And where's Joe? Joe doesn't mind eating expired stuff. I do. I don't like to eat expired stuff. Um, one time, uh, I think this is why I don't like expired stuff. When I was uh, probably like 16, I was helping this old woman. She was 95, I think, years old then. And I would help her empty her garbage sometimes and take it out for her. And, um, and she, she was old and she was really nice and sweet, but she was like really firm with me. And one time she said, now, Bobby, you're going to sit down and have some milk and, and crackers. And because uh, she wanted me to have this because I was taking her garbage out. So I'm like, okay. And this is like not that long ago. And she brings out these, this six-pack of glass bottles of milk and a little metal thing. And I didn't even think you could get those anymore. Um, you know what I mean? Like from the olden days? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was that old because the first thing I noticed is she, she pours this milk out with her shaky hand. And it's like clumps are splashing in, into my glass. <laughs> and it's yellow. I never saw yellow milk. I didn't even know... I thought maybe it's runny cottage cheese or something. And uh, all I could do was just stare. And I, I don't know. I didn't want to be rude. And I hate to admit it. But she, she's watching me like a hawk. So I took a little drink. And uh, it was bad. It, I just put it off from there on. I waited for her to doze off because she dozed off a lot. And I knew eventually if I waited long enough, she would doze off. And she did. And I ran over and dumped it in the sink and... I tried to wash it down, but the clumps were too big to fit through the drain. It was bad. It was so bad. I think that's why I don't like expired food. Uh, where are we? Um, we expire. Our bodies expire, right? They get like, they're going to curdle up like milk and get bad and stinky. and they, they get old. That's the problem. They don't function as they always have. And his point here is we're not going to be like that. We're going to be imperishable. We're never going to get old, break down, expire. Everlasting life is another way to put it. That's what we're going to have. Verse 43. It is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. So the, the comparison here, dishonor and glory. Now dishonor is the opposite of glory. Okay, So when we think of a glorious body... I mean, we probably think of a very handsome or beautiful or fit or healthy or strong body without flaws, without anything wrong with it. So glory in the Bible, in, in English, is just like stunning beauty that makes you just want to stare. You're in awe. It's like, wow, glory. And it can be anything. But he's talking about bodies here. So he's talking about like how glory stands out above the rest. And we see this in the Old Testament, Saul. In the Old Testament, remember, he was glorious to the people. He was tall and handsome, and they made him their king because they liked how he looked. And we're told, you know, God doesn't look at the body. He looks at the heart. But to people, it's like this is an important thing. Esther in the Old Testament, she won the beauty contest. She became the queen, right? So our body is sown in dishonor, and it is raised in glory. Now, people like to have a glorious body and that's why every you know the fitness industry is so popular and makeup and uh, cosmetology and all this stuff nobody goes to the hairdresser 
and says, you know, thin out like 85% of my hair and make it real long and stringy like Smeagol because that's how I want to look. It'll be glorious. That's not glorious. Um, nobody goes to get a pedicure and says, hey, my Uncle Bill's got this real thick yellow long toenail and I want mine to be just like that. I don't know why, but he wears sandals year-round. Like, no. <laughs> Don't, that's, not, that's dishonor, this is glory. And I think that's what he's talking about here because he's talking about our bodies. And so glory is like the difference between a caterpillar and a butterfly. It's like, wow, that's amazing. And that's how it's going to be. Um, now, there won't be any sin in heaven. There won't be any lusting or craving or, or that kind of wrong sexual desire. And you know, so we won't have that. That's another great thing about our bodies. We won't have that sin nature that we have now. And we'll see that in a little bit here, but it's going to be awesome. So the body you've always wanted. All right, where are we? Thanks, Rodney. Um, okay. So Jesus said, before we go to 45, Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new when he was on the cross. And he did the work that accomplishes what we're talking about in the future when he was on the cross and when he rose from the dead. But I want to explain just a little bit of how this, how this all plays out. See, in Isaiah uh, 53 verse 5, it, it talked about, it was a prophecy of Jesus dying on the cross and what, what would happen. And it says, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And it's like this. Right now, because of what Jesus did on the cross, if we believe in him, we have salvation. We have, present tense, the Bible says, salvation. We're saved. But the Bible also says that we will be saved. In other words, people, theologians call this the already, not yet. It's, we already have it, but we don't yet have it in full. And it's going to, it's, I, I want to explain this because it's like this with our bodies as well. Jesus died to save us from our sins. Jesus died to save us from all negative effects of sin, including sickness and sore elbows and bad knees and bruises and aches and, and any kind of bad thing that happens to our body. And we see glimpses of this now. There are healings that take place and we should pray for people to be healed and I've seen it and God, I've seen God heal people. But we only see glimpses compared to what it will be like then. It's the already not yet again. Jesus died to heal us but we will have it in full on the day he returns and there will never be another ache, another pain, another bruise, any more cancer, anything like that. But now... Just like we learned from 1 Corinthians, we groan in these bodies. We ha they deteriorate. They break down. He doesn't always heal. People die. People get sick. And so, it's, do you understand? It's the already, not yet. I want to make that clear. It's, it, it, he, didn't, he affected it all, and it's, we have it, but we don't see it all yet until then. So, it's... Uh, it's the seed he talks about us having, if we could project uh, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it tells us 
that this seed is his spirit. So what he accomplished for us through his death and resurrection was salvation, and he gives us his spirit in us. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's why believers, when they die, they can grow into new life. The seed of the spirit will come alive in them when Jesus returns. Because it says in 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory so we have it we have the spirit we're immortal we have eternal life but we will experience it in full then but we have we have it now so just wanted to try to clarify that a little bit we were infused sealed with the spirit of god with jesus christ the moment we believed and we have it we'll experience it then Let's move on. Uh, Verse 44, the fourth thing about the the new body, this is really important. It says, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So usually when we think of a natural body, we're thinking, okay, yeah, that's natural because it's made out of, remember Jesus made Adam out of the, the dust or the clay or the dirt. But that's not the Greek word here for natural the Greek word here, and we don't have an English word to match it, but it, it's like it means belonging to the soul. So he, he says it's kind of like a soulish body. He says we have a soulish body now or a soulical body, but it's raised a spiritual body. And he's comparing the differences between those two things because our body now, it's like a container that holds our soul. So we're called earthen vessels or jars of clay. And in that sense, it is natural, but it's made to hold the soul. But when we're raised from the dead, it's going to be different in that it will be spiritual in its nature. And what that means, that it's going to be spiritual in its nature, is that it will transcend dimensions. Spirits can transcend dimensions. They can, spirits can take the form of a body, right? We, we see this all through the Bible. We see it in the Old Testament, and we see it in the New Testament. Spirits can take a form. And you can touch them and feel them, and they're real. But spirits can also be immaterial. Spirits can change. And we're going to be, it says, a spiritual body. Now, this means that we're not going to be limited, I believe, we're not going to be limited to time, to space, to anything physical. Because the spiritual is not limited to the physical. And that's how we're going to be. And we see this actually in Jesus Christ after he was raised from the dead, the resurrected Jesus Christ. It says that we're going to be like him, like his resurrection body. So we don't have time to look at all the passages, but we see in his resurrection body, for example, when he, in Acts, the beginning of Acts, when he left this earth, what did he do? How did he leave this earth? Yeah, he flew. He ascended into heaven. He ascended. It, it, Greek word just means flew. That's all. He flew. Like Superman. I don't know. But we're going to be like him, we're told. And so, I believe we're going to be able to fly. You know, the universe is huge. We saw that um, when the NASA presenter came. And I think that we're going to be able to explore forever. I don't know. I, I know we're going to be like him. I know he flew. Therefore, I can stand up here and say, we're going to be able to fly. Look what else he did. 
There's a couple guys walking on this road in Israel to Emmaus. Um, Joe preached on this not too long ago. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. And they're talking about him. And boom, all of a sudden, there's this guy standing beside them. Where did he come from? Who is this guy? They didn't recognize him, and they were disciples of Jesus. So he looked different. But he's talking to them, and he just appeared. And then they get to this house, they break bread, and boom, it says the guy vanishes. And it's at that moment they realize this was Jesus. This was the resurrected Jesus. So he appears, he disappears. I think we will be able to appear and disappear. I always wanted to be invisible. I remember watching Tom and Jerry when Jerry painted that invisible paint on himself. Ever since then, I always wanted to be invisible. So I'm looking forward to that. So we're going to be different. I have time to read this. I want to read this uh, from Luke 24. This is another one. This is my favorite example of Jesus showing us what we're going to be like. He says, or it says in uh, Luke 24, 33, And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together. Now this is, this is right after he vanished from the guys on the road to Emmaus. Saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road, and he was known to all of them, and he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And they were talking about these things. Or, and as they were talking about these things, boom, here he comes again. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. So he's taken this form. This is my favorite part. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said, have you anything to eat here? I love that. Jesus is like, hey, I'm hungry. You got any snacks? They're, they're like amazed. They're like, Who, what's going on? He's like, do you have anything to eat? I love it because it, it's really just, it's cool that Jesus is like that. But it's also cool that you get to eat in these bodies, like hopefully meat and jerky and stuff. But you get to eat things. Um, I think that's great. So I'm looking forward to it even more because I love eating. That's one of my favorite things to do. But yeah, these guys are totally freaked out. And Jesus is like, hey, you got anything to eat? But he just appeared there. And uh, I think, you know, our taste buds will be new too and glorified. And so things will probably taste better. And it's going to be great. So we're getting a little taste of what it's going to be like. Verses 45 through 49, and we'll, we'll end it with this, this section. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now the last Adam here is talking about Jesus. The first man, Adam, life, a living being, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But this is not, it is not the spiritual that was first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, the second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are, all, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Humans are natural, but that moment that we trust in Jesus Christ 
to be our Savior as God who became a man to die for us, something happens and we become immortal. We, give, we get the gift of everlasting life at that moment. And yeah, it's in seed form because the Spirit comes to live in us, but one day it will be in full. And so think of all the people that you've lost in your life, the loved ones, the, the children, the spouses, the grandparents, the brothers, the sisters, your friends who have died to go, and gone to be with the Lord. We're going to be with them one day. They're going to experience this resurrection from the dead. They're going to experience new life. And right now their soul is with the Lord and they're in perfect peace. But the cool thing is we're going to experience this all together. All together. Let me read this. Uh, just, I'm just going to read. I'm not going to preach on the last part of this chapter. But I just want to end by reading it because it, it shows us that this is going to happen for all of us. He says in verse 50, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And what he means there is that if Jesus comes back while we are still alive, we're not going to experience the resurrection from the dead because we're not going to be dead. That's the sleeping Christians. But we will be changed in, in that moment as well. Verse 52, in a moment... In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's going to be quite a day. And if you don't know if you're going to have that experience, then you need to submit to Jesus Christ by trusting in Him today that He is the eternal God who was always existent and that He became a man so that He could experience this death because as eternal God, without becoming a man, He could never die, but He wanted to die to take our place so that we won't have to die and be judged forever in hell, but we can be risen from the dead like he was. And so, if, you don't, if you've never believed that about him, I encourage you, believe that today. And if you do, then you have the Spirit as a guarantee, and you can look forward to this with us. Let's pray. As we pray, let's have the band come up and do one final song. Father, thank you so much for your word that gives us hope. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage everyone, um, everyone who's lost loved ones, everyone who is getting older, but even those who are in their prime, that you would help us to look forward to this more and more as a result of what we learned today from your word. And we thank you, Lord, that this, this is a gift, a free gift by your grace 
that we cannot earn, but you have it for us simply by believing and trusting in you and receiving you as our Savior. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.